And coming up next on 2NURFM, Gardening Talkback. And Scott Sharp is with us. And Scott, we do have a special plant for our interesting call of the day. Oh, we do. I was going to say, I'm going to be your little ray of sunshine today. <laughs> there you go. You can't have fairer than that. <laughs> I am already. How's that? Yes. Yes. Today, look, we're going to give away the Cyclemen because they're coming out at the moment. There's plenty of colour for winter. If you want to go and get a Cyclemen now, they'll grow indoors. We'll talk about those a little bit later on. I was also going to talk about a uh, lily from New Zealand called the Arthropodium, uh, something I think we do need to talk about uh, this week of the uh, new rules by Hunter Water, and a little bit more on Aussie plant invaders of the world. This is Gardening Talk Back on 2NURFM 16 past 12. We're taking your calls on 49216216. And Leslie's rung in from Toronto, and she's got a question about cyclamens. Hello, Leslie. How can we help you today? Very, Sorry. very well. How can we help you? Okay, it's well. I'm hoping you'll help my cyclamen more than anything. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> when I bought it last year, I kept it in flower, and I've really looked after it, and I've watered it only from the bottom. Good on um, you. It doesn't seem to have as many leaves and bunched up and standing up like it did when I first bought it, mm-hmm. and I can't see how I'm going to get any flowers out of it. <laughs> Well, look, the, the only thing you can really do for it is just to start fertilising it and keep on that fer- keep that fertilising going for like every fortnight uh, right through winter. And even when you've got the plant again trying to go through summer, you keep the fertilisation up there as well. Now, it might be a little bit late um, for this year, but it is, the, it is the best thing to do. Just keep on fertilising it. Uh, use an all-round fertiliser like uh, Flourish. It's a liquid fertiliser. Uh, it'll increase the flowering of the plant. It'll certainly increase the uh, the leaf growth of the plant as well. And, and the, still feed it from the bottom. Uh, look, just always water it from the from like put the uh, watering can spout down through the leaves. Try and not water over the leaves or over the flowers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, one of the most important things with cyclamen is to not sit them in a tray of water because it's a, it's actually like a bulb, a corm inside there that um, can rot if it's too wet. So you never sit. You always just make sure you water that the water runs down freely through the pot, and uh, you don't try and keep them over wet or over dry for that matter, because that's when they start to uh, uh, to droop down and look a bit unhappy. Now the other thing about cyclamen is to try and keep them nice and cool. Um, now uh, I went into work yesterday and there was a bit of a droopy cyclamen. I went and watered it because I was um, I was a good boy yesterday. And then about 15 minutes later, I walked past the drinks fridge and there's this cyclamen sitting in the drinks fridge. Now, my mother had gone and decided that the best way to get this cyclamen to sit back up and look all happy again and think that it was in a, in a cold climate was to go and put it in the drinks fridge. And uh-huh. lo and behold, it did actually stand up. Um, I'm not sure that I'd do it for very long, but uh, it did work in this case. So that's the other thing with cyclamen, to try and keep them uh, nice and cool, put them out at night. Uh, don't have them in around a heater or uh, around air conditioning inside because as sure as know it, they will start to droop and look a bit unhappy for you. So look Okay, so years... I've got Bunnings or Purpose Fertiliser here that, that you put on top of the plant, right? Oh, Can I use that? Yes, look, I'd, look, I'd be more inclined, Leslie, to use a liquid fertiliser like Flourish. Uh, it, it's much more immediate. Uh, those Brunnings ones, yes, look, they're all very good, but um, they will take some time and you want to get a result as quickly as possible now because it's getting into the flowering season yeah. and the growth season for them. So, yeah, grab yourself a liquid fertiliser like Flourish and uh, give that a good old go. 
Okay, I might have some of it too. Excellent. Okay, thank you, <laughs> Sounds Leslie. Sounds good, Leslie. Good luck with your cyclamen. Scott, cyclamen, where where do they actually come from? Yes, they, they come from the Mediterranean. Do they? Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're normally they would live outdoors in the Mediterranean? They do. They live in pretty um, sort of harsh, um, rocky areas in the Mediterranean Europe. Um, they're, they're actually quite easy to, to look after. It's, it's those things I was talking about, not having them inside uh, in the heating. If you do have them inside, they need to be in a nice, well-lit area. Don't sit them in a saucer of water because as sure as know it, they'll start to get too wet and they'll get all fungusy and horrid and rot away on you. Um, and then, look, you can keep them again right through summer. I had uh, a famous cycleman that I kept for about 18 months right through the heat of one particular summer. It was outdoors. I moved house. Uh, somehow I kept it going. I don't know because I'm not really very good with plants like that. Um, but Sounds as though you are. No, <laughs> I think there's pure luck on this one. Uh, so, look, you put them outside in a nice dry spot uh, in a, you know, perhaps under some trees or on a veranda um, during summer. And you should, like Leslie did, get them to go right through and you get another, uh, another shot at them for winter again flowering. Gardening Talkback. And we've got all the do's and don'ts for your garden with Scott Sharp from Scott's, uh, Scott's Sharp Sydney City Gardeners. <laughs> Let's get there. And your calls are very welcome. We're finding out how to help you with your gardens. Max has rung in from Madawi. And, Max, you've got a problem with your nectarine tree. That's wrong, mate. How can we help you, Max? Oh, I hate you, Ken. Uh, look, uh, what happened? It's got a lot of gel on it when it went before it was fruiting. Mm-hmm. Could you, is that uh, a disease or what? Yes, that is a disease. Now, that could either be um, borers, in, actually in, in boring into the trunk, um, right. which you can treat with uh, roga. Yeah, we, uh, now you actually have to try and clean that away and uh, spray it over the plant. But I'm just trying to think about um, that there is another problem that comes on with nectarines when they do that. Oh, They go a bit black, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. Um, so, look, firstly, I'd, I'd um, go and treat with the um, tree for the borer. Right. And, and then... Uh, we might do a bit of research on yeah, that Yeah, there, one, there is another you. problem that comes up with nectarines, I'm sorry, Max, and it just has eluded me for the moment, but I'm going to find out about it for you, and I will tell everyone by the end of the show. Right. Yes, I'm sorry about that. So, look, when you've got a borer problem, usually that's a little insect that's going down into the trunk of the plant, and it's that's actually the sap, the gel that you're seeing is coming back out of the plant. It's quite prevalent. Yeah, it's coming on every uh, twig, you know? Oh, okay. Now, I think that is the problem that's just eluding me at the moment. So what we are going to do, um, I'm going to find out about that for you, and we're going to talk about it before the end of the show. Okay, Okay, then. so I'm sorry about that, Max, but no, I, right. I, will, I will not let you down. <laughs> you <do>. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Max, and uh, we'll do as much as we possibly can on that. Uh, Helen now has rung in from Raymond Terrace and a passion fruit problem. Yes, I've got an old-fashioned black passion fruit. It's getting on in years now, yes. probably about six years old. But a problem I've never seen before, about three years ago it started um, sending up what I presume was suckers from the um, from the stock root. Yes. It looks like um, a wild passion fruit, but it's gone beyond control now. It's growing up and over my fence. It's coming up everywhere. I can't poison it without poisoning my buffalo grass. It's set up about a 10-metre radius where it's just constantly all these new plants are coming up. Now, the other thing is I got an, I put a new one in because this is getting towards the end of its day, of its its life cycle. I put a new one in um, on the opposite 
side of the yard and it straight away started sending up this what looks like a wild passion fruit and as a, a brand new plant it started sending up this is is that what it is it's from the stock root and it is it coming off the is it as a sucker or what is it yes yeah, so, so look helen um, you've probably put in grafted passion fruits like nelly kelly Yep. So they do. They graft those onto a nice, strong wild rootstock, which makes the uh, the growth the growth habit much um, more abundant for the plant. So what is happening? Yes, what happened with the old one? It's probably sensed it's getting near the end of its life. So it, what happens then is that the the wild rootstock starts to take over, and it just shoots up everywhere to try and you know. Um, keep on going so its progeny can can uh, spread out over your uh, over your la- yard and that's what's happened in that 10 meter radius unfortunately <laughs> so but what's probably happened you have you need to try and poison those out now unfortunately it's going to be difficult i know for you uh, but use um, roundup or zero or one of those glyphosate products and try and spray as much of the plant as you can um, but when you've got that, you've put that new one in. What can happen sometimes is that the uh, there's a bit of a tussle between the uh, the the nice Nelly Kelly passion fruit and the wild rootstock. And so for about three or four months, this sort of fight goes on. And what you need to be doing though is trying to strip any of those grey leaves that come from below the graft on the on the passion fruit. Now the other thing that can happen is when this rootstock's spreading out around the ground, if you start digging around there as well, if you damage those roots, that's when they will also send up suckers. Sometimes you see that happening with golden rabinias and plants like that. Uh, if the roots the roots get damaged, that's when they send up suckers from there. So unfortunately, the only thing you can do now is to go through and try and poison or pull out those suckers that are coming up, and just use perseverance and try and keep it under control. Yeah, well, it's nearly about 12 months old now, and they didn't come from the actual trunk itself. They came immediately from the ground. From the ground, yeah. And I am, uh, I'm not digging it or anything, I'm just pulling them straight up out of the ground, and they're just continuing to (laughs) just go. It's just getting worse and worse. The top part of the plant is growing like crazy now. Um, But yes, and the other one is just massive. I actually thought I might have been going to get some fruit and I was interested to try the wild passion fruit because I've got flowers and everything on it. I actually got some fruit this year but then they just disappeared so I have no idea. But is the fruit itself edible? Uh, if you do get fruit off the, the wild passion fruit, yes it is. I, I, I very much doubt that you will. You will Usually the flowers just drop off on those. Um, well I actually got fruit this time and then they disappeared after oh, a while. Okay. So um, when I went out to see how they were going they were all gone. So I thought well possibly it needs a, although propagate, if to get um, pollinated it wouldn't have even... If it hadn't been, if it needed to be pollinated, it wouldn't have even got fruit. Would yeah, it? it would so have just had flowers. That, so. that, that's right. And with the grafted ones, you don't need a pollinator for those. So look again. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only way to try and um, you know get rid of this problem you've got now is just to keep on pulling them through, uh, pulling the plants out, the suckers out, Helen. So sounds I'm sorry like that, some work to uh, do, Helen. Perse- <laughs> perseverance, unfortunately, Helen. We're taking your calls on gardening talkback uh, on two and you are FM four nine two one six two one six. And this humidity, Scott, is really good for uh, things growing in the garden. Kaikuyu grass included, perhaps. Oh, all the grasses seem to be growing at the moment, but the, the pests are going crazy as well with it. So Stuart's rung in from Macquarie Hills. You've got a problem with kaikuyu? have you? Yes, we do. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, the Kaikuyu is tunnelling under a garden, a cement garden edging. Now, we've been in this house a couple of years, and uh, prior to that, we don't think it did. But since we've been here, that's what it's doing. I put a, uh, put a, an extra bit of a barrier in last time it got through, uh, some, some uh, uh, corrugated iron. Mm-hmm. But 
it doesn't seem to be deep enough. Is, is there some um, natural means we can use to prevent that? Why does it go so low and... It, so it's going through underneath the garden edging, what, getting up uh, into your garden, is it? Into take, the garden, yeah, into the vegetable yeah. garden bed. Okay, so look, it's obviously you're probably fertilising that garden a little bit more as well. So the, the root system's going, oh, yeah, there's good stuff to eat over there. So I'm going to do whatever I can to try and get through under there and, and get to where I need. Now, I guess, you know, I, I could suggest electrifying the ground or, you know, doing, you know, pouring acid or something, but that's all quite a bit nasty, isn't it? So, unfortunately, the only thing you can do, Stuart, is to just keep on... And probably the best thing to do, rather than pulling it out, is to actually, when you see those, um, that KaiQ coming up on that border, on the other side of the border, is to actually get a glyphosate product like Roundup or Zero and spray that area and try and get rid of the grass that way. And then it will actually kill it back down in under the... Uh, uh, in, under the root system and back in under that border that, you're, that you've got there. And is there no non-chemical method? Uh, only short of pulling it out. That's about the only way. Um, look, glyphosate's an extremely safe product. Um, it, uh, once it touches the ground, it's effectively neutralised. Um, it, when you pull out the uh, material safety data sheet, the MSDS on glyphosate, and have a look at it, it's a, a very, very safe product to use. Um, I, I know you probably you know don't want to, but I, I can, I'm just trying to give you some comfort about using glyphosate. It's not a, a product that uh, sort of stays in the soil or uh, has a residual effect. So it is quite a safe one to use. Okay. My second question is, yes. um, I've always been able to grow silver beet and zucchinis and squash and so on and so forth. Yes. But since we've moved here, for some reason or other, they just don't take off. We can grow lettuce and... You know, a whole other lot of uh, leafy greens. Uh, amaranth is going mad, but um, silverbeet and um, and those normal sorts of vine crops just is there. There must be one thing lacking. Do you know what it might be? Well, I was going to say. I wonder if if you've got a um, you know the soil's very um, you know high in nitrogen. If someone's been using a lot of poultry manure in the area, or there's been grass clippings put in there over time, and it's built that particular area up. Uh, the only thing you can do in that case is just to start using uh, cow manures and uh, other sort of low nitrogen uh, manures. Don't use um, uh, grass clippings in that area. Um, the, the silver beet, that's a bit of an odd one because it's a green leafy vegetable as well. So um, I'm just wondering about how that, that's all playing out in the mix. But um, I would just uh, probably also get your soil tested as well just to check up on the alkalinity or the acidity of the soil. Uh, and just see if that's having an effect. Um, but again, just use, start using more all-purpose fertilisers to try and um, build up any uh, particular um, elements that are, that are lacking in the soil at the moment. Steer so the, the chicken pellets are too high in nitrogen. Are you saying that? Well, look, the, the pellet, pelletised ones usually aren't. If you turn the packet over, you can see the MPK on the back there and you can see what they're all made up of. Usually in those pelletised manures, there's lots of other things that are added in to make a more balanced fertiliser. Mm. I'm just saying if you're using straight poultry manure, that can often be high in nitrogen, so you just have to be careful about that. And, of course, grass clippings. You have to be very, very careful about um, putting too much of that into the soil. No, no, I haven't been using straight poultry manure. It's been the pelletised commercial. Right. Well, look, just how about give that a break for a little while and start using some uh, cow manure right. uh, or some other all-purpose fertilisers as well. This is Gardening Talkback, and your call's very welcome. 49216216, we'll get them through, get you through to us and our resident garden guru, Scott Sharp, today. And Scott Maisie's rung in from Cardiff with a problem she's had before um, with an orchid. Is that right, Maisie? Yes, 
right. Hello, Maisie. How are Hello. you? Hello. An orchid problem. Go ahead. I can't un- hear you, love. That's all right. An orchid problem. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I rang before. I had um, brown spot yes. all on my orchid leaves. And you said to spray them with uh, Dencozab, is it? Yes, that's, that's a, a fungicide. How did it go? That went good. But <laughs> now I've got another problem with it. Yes. It started going black on the end of the leaves. And now, now it's um, gone brown all down the leaves like a dieback. Right. I don't know what to do about it. Okay, well, look, I'm, I'm really glad that the Mancozeb worked. It's, so I've actually given someone some advice that works for once. It's <laughs> uh, what? So thank you for the, uh, the wrap there, Maisie. Now, this black stuff that's working on the, on the tips of the orchid, um, are you keeping them well watered and everything? Are they... Yes. Yeah, and they're, where, are they in the full sun or are they in a shady sort of spot? Oh, they're under shade. Yes. I've transferred them into a bigger pot. Yes. And this has happened since I transferred them. Right, okay. So, look, it, it may just be that the during that time that the root system has been damaged in some way um, or that the... Have you fertilised them in any way as well? No, I haven't. Okay, look, it might just be the root system. When plants die back at the tips like that, it's usually just a, a, a sign that they're stressed and, you know, they might be lacking in water, for instance, and they'll continue dying back down through the leaves. Um, look, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it at this point in time, Maisie. Just keep on watering the plant as normal and uh, make sure you're fertilising it again so that the plant's nice and healthy. And because what you've... do I fertilise it with? Well, you, you need to go to your, your garden centre and get a specific orchid fertiliser. Oh, yeah. Because they do like particular. You know, it's a bit of a black art growing orchids, but sounds like you've done it before. So you need to go and get a specific orchid fertiliser. Now, you've repotted it. You've done all the right things at the right time. So yeah. hopefully that plant's going to be a lot happier as it goes into the flowering season and you'll get some nice blooms off it. So just... Yeah, well, it was on flower when I got it in uh, 2013. Yes. And it's made a few new bulbs. But yes. None of them are coming up into spikes. Okay, well, look, it's still just a touch early at the moment for the spikes to be forming. Um, within the next month or so, that will happen. Um, now, the other thing about orchids is they also like to be quite full and tight in the pot, and that's sometimes when you get the best flowering out of orchids. But uh, we'll see how you go. You've repotted. Um, just go grab some of that orchid fertiliser and start using that, as the, as the instructions say on the back of the packet, and we'll see how you go this winter. And I'm sure your orchids will really appreciate that. 49216216 is the number for you to get your question through to Scott today, and Laurie's rung in from Denman. And Den, Denman, is that good for apricot trees, Laurie? Hello, Laurie. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Um, I've got this apricot tree that uh, I've had it in about two years. It's about seven foot high now, and it's been looking extremely healthy. And just recently, uh, a lot of the leaves have started to, particularly from halfway down the tree, uh, the bottom half, they've started to curl up on me. I'm just wondering if uh, that's, that's a normal thing as we move into autumn or what? Look, it, it's... 
Uh, hello, Laurie. It's, look, it's not unusual for your leaves to start to curl up and brown off and start to uh, drop off as we go into autumn. Um, they're all going to lose their leaves at the moment. Uh, it, it could be, though, that they've had a mite attack on those leaves. That's often a sign, you know, without seeing the leaves, that's often a sign of mite attack. Uh, the leaves curl up, they get stung by these little mites, they suck the sap out of the leaves, they do damage to it, to the structure of the leaf. And its reaction to that is that it curls up and uh, it starts to brown off and you get dye back in the leaf and eventually it falls off. Uh, so, look, it, it could be that. My take-home message to you at this time of year as we go into autumn now is I wouldn't worry about spraying just in case it's mites. The leaves are going to fall off anyway. Uh, right. You're about to have a bare tree in about a month's time or so once it cools down, especially up there at Denman, um, because we know it's a lot colder up there. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't be concerned about it at this point in time. If it was well, some- thank you very much indeed. Mate, if it was something that was happening in September and October, you were getting that curling up of the leaves, right. I'd be inclined to say, yeah, bring some in, and it's probably a mite problem. But at this point in time with the deciduous trees... Just what would leave. you do for mites anyway? A white oil or something? Well, yes, you can use. There's uh, eco oil, which you can use uh, as a preventative on there. Uh, there's still uh, insect and mite killer out there for sale, if you can get some of that and use that. Um, but look, leave well enough alone. Let nature take its course now. And, uh, I will. And just, uh, yep, don't spray the stuff around. Thank you very much. Thank now. you, Laurie. And you're listening to Gardening Talkback. Today we're taking your calls and Scott Sharp's got some great answers for you. And who have we got on the line now? I think it might be Heather ringing in from Abermain. Hello, Heather. How can we help you today? I hope you can. My, my new spinach is doing really well, but it has a rust on it. Uh, okay. Can I use some sort of spray or what? Yes, you can use a spray. Uh, the easy thing to use on that is either copperoxy chloride or yeah. Mancozeb Plus. Hang on, get a pen. That's I'm right. a... <laughs> no, my brain. You get 75. It doesn't work that well. Oh, no, don't tell me that because I'm, only, <laughs> I'm at 43 and my brain's just losing stuff out the back end all the time. So. Oh, not good for you. Now, what was you said? Now, the things are copperoxy chloride and Copper. Mancozeb Plus. Now, they're fungicides. If you go into your local garden centre, um, yeah. uh, they will be able to help you if you just ask for a fungicide and describe yeah. what's wrong. And then you go and spray that all over the plant it probably won't fix up the bits that are damaged already yeah. um, but it will certainly stop it spreading any further or any new growth coming out it's spreading on there the, Very good. Uh, the other Heather. thing I, sorry the other thing i would do heather is i would um, get that fungicide yeah. and just drench that in around the soil as well okay i'll do that now we've got some um, plants from last year that's reshooting yes are they a good idea to look after them or pull them out? Oh, no, no, look after those. They should be fine. They might, might not be quite as strong as last year, but, uh, look, if they're, if they're growing fine, just leave well enough alone. Let nature take its course. Yeah, because my, my father used to do that. Yeah. And I wasn't too sure now what to do, pull them out or No, 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 why not? Just, just leave well enough alone. All <laughs> sorts of good things coming. Uh, I was going to talk about, you know, we are just talking about how my brain doesn't remember <laughs> stuff anymore. Yes. So what I did, I, just while we were in the break, they're playing the song, I smacked myself around the chops, I uh, gave my skull a couple of hits, I um, gave myself a kick up the behind, and I've actually remembered m- about Max's problem from Madawi. Now, remember, Max had the uh, the gum coming out of the uh, ends of his nectarine, so we need to help Max with that, and I can help Max with that. It's it's all coming back to me, like the cobwebs, cobwebs are clearing. Max, you've got a problem called bacterial canker. Uh, now... You have to avoid pruning in the early winter 
to uh, keep that under control. Now, the way to try and fix it is to remove all the infected parts of the plant and discard those, put them in the garbage. You could burn them if you want to. It's easier just to seal them up and put them in the garbage. And then you use copperoxychloride, uh, which is a fungicide. We are just talking to Heather about copperoxychloride then. And you spray that over the affected parts of the plant and uh, that should keep it under control for next year. Don't prune in the early winter. Okay, Max, so uh, my memory's working again. and uh, Well done, We've helped you out. (laughs) And, of course, we do have a podcast of this program, which will be on our website a little bit later on, and uh, that's to nurfm.com. You can catch up with any topic that you might have missed. Cole has rung in from Rutherford now on 49216216. What's going on up there at Rutherford, Cole? I've got white grubs in my garden. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So we can... I've got plenty of them in there, and there's any amount of worms with them. Oh, okay. Now, these, these white grubs, would you say they look like big, fat, witchetty grubs, Cole? Something you bet. They're only small, like they're only about half an inch long. Oh, okay. Now, the bad news about that, Cole, is that they're going to grow, and unfortunately they're going to grow by eating the root system of your plant or your yeah. lawn. Um, and they're going to become really big and fat, and the um, magpies and everything are going to love them. But... If you want to get rid of them, um, they're called um, curl grubs or uh, chafer grubs. And the way to get rid of those is using a product called Carbril, which you can drench down through the soil. Or you can also use Confidor, and they've got a nice um, handy hose-on unit that you can go to your garden centre and buy. It's called Confidor. You just click it on the end of your hose, and you just water all the garden around, and that should keep those under control for you. They're actually the pupa of a, um, a black beetle or a Christmas beetle. Um, so they do turn into something nice, but unfortunately they can do a lot of damage to your garden. Or if you get them in pots, Cole, they will absolutely tear the root system of those plants apart and they will die. Most plants in the garden tend to handle it uh, because their root system is extensive enough. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want to get rid of them, if you've got a whole lot of them, they're going to get fat, they're going to get big, they're going to eat your garden away, your root system away to try and become big. Uh, so you need to use Confidor or Carbril to keep those under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you ever heard of the P-A-N-A-M-A passion fruit? Uh, the, yeah, pa- the, the Panama. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's, uh, that's a, a well-known variety. Uh, it, you can get different um, colours in that as well. You can get uh, red, uh, yellow, and uh, the normal black one. But, yeah, very nice passion fruit to eat. Yeah, well, I've got them here. They're nearly as big as a buddy and apple. Yes, they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had them out the other place where we were. We had... Bloody, must have been nearly 300 on the bush. Well, Colt, sounds like you're doing the right things. Um, like we were talking about those curl grubs, those chafer grubs, uh, use the confidor or the carbril and uh, clean them out of the garden. And it sounds as though Cole will have a lovely feast as well on those passion <laughs> yes. fruit, those Panama passion fruit. Dennis from Cessnock has rung in now. It seems fruit's a bit of a theme at the moment, Scott. Hello, Dennis. How can we help you, mate? Uh, good afternoon. It's, uh, I'd like to ring up about me for my daughter. She's up in Queensland, yes. up in uh, on the Sunshine Coast, mm-hmm. uh, Tanawa, and uh, I just want to know what kind of fruit trees she can grow. <laughs> Tropical fruits up there. No, no, like if, like your mandarins and oranges and. Yeah, look, um, she should be able to... uh, Look, citrus trees will grow up there. Um, Oranges and things like that need a little bit of a chill to... to get the nice um, flavour into the fruit. Um, so she's probably better, um, you know, growing limes and, and those sort of citrus trees and steering away from the oranges and the mandarins, unfortunately. 
Um, but yeah, look, uh, grapefruits, uh, limes, lemons, you'll certainly be able to grow those. It is much, I, I love it up there. Um, I love far north Queensland. <laughs> I love the Sunshine Coast. It is much more humid up there than it is down here. And you just don't get that chill factor um, with a yeah. lot of plants. So look, she, and she's, you know, guavas, mangoes, all those usual things you'll be able to get up there. They do so much better than they will here. Yeah, well, she's just bought this property up there and, you know, and but, so, uh, you know, she's building a house and that and she wants to put some trees in first, you know. Yeah, but look, certainly don't don't bother with stone fruit or anything like that. You'll, you know, you can't even really grow nectarines and peaches and uh, down here in Newcastle and get a good result. Um, different when you go up your way, up around Cessnock, uh, you know, you up around Mulbring and places, you get those nice little hollows where you'll get a chill and you'll get a much better result with stone fruit. Um, Newcastle, cherries, don't worry about cherries here in Newcastle. So once you get up around Sunshine Coast, um, stone fruit are just completely out of the question. So I uh, hope your daughter enjoys um, planting up a new garden, Dennis. Sounds wonderful, new plans. Now, Pat has rung in from Karua for Gardening Talk Pack and has a question for Scott. Hello, Pat. We're all over the place at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> I was up the Mile Lakes the other day, just up near Mungo Brush, and it was a very, very nice uh, time up there. God's country, mate. It yeah. is, except it rained yeah. really heavily. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eh? Yeah, well, we needed it. We did. How can we help you, Pat? Listen, I um, I got some raised beds for, for my veggie garden. Yeah. Now I had had tomatoes in, and I got a, a bumper crop. Eh? I, I reckon off three trees, I reckon I got nearly twenty kilos of tomatoes. Yeah. So I thought, oh well, they'd finished. So I thought oh, I'll bang another three in. Now the ones that I put in now, they've, they've I've got a tomato, coriander, and lettuce in the same raised bed. Mm-hmm. But the tomato and the coriander in that bed, um, from the bottom up, all the leaves are going yellow. It, it started wilting last week. Yeah. And then from the bottom up, all the leaves are going yellow. Now I notice that the other tomato in the other bed, it, it's starting to do the same thing. Yeah. Now the corn, the corn in the other one is healthy, beautiful green. Yes. Lettuce the same. Yes. Uh, and the one up the back started. Okay, so... And, then, and I've got chilies in that, and they're bright green, they're dark green, healthy, fruit and... Right. Yeah, so look, Pat, unfortunately what we were talking about, that rain and the humidity that we've had um, is causing wilt in the tomatoes for you. It's also getting towards the end of tomato time. You probably will get, yeah. you know, you would get another crop in now. But the, you've had such a fantastic result at the start. Yeah, of that's, that's what I can't work out. I can't work out how come, like, just... The three that I put in just boomed, eh? They were unbelievable. Well, look, it's because we had that really nice, hot, dry weather all the way through September, uh, you know, up until the end of January. We had that fantastic fantastic summer, which is ideal for tomato growing. And now all of a sudden it's, it's... pouring rain uh it's humid all over again um it's overcast all the time so that's why you're starting to get this wilt coming up through the tomatoes if it is that bad it might be because you don't want tomato wilt um it might be best just to try actually just pull those out now and um, almost be done with them because the tomato taste you get now uh is never going to be as strong because it's just not the heat in the day and the the sugars in the tomatoes don't ferment um, like they should. So it might be worth pulling those out. You don't want wilt in, in your raised garden bed. You certainly don't. Now, we've t- got time for one more quick question, and David's rung in from Warners Bay, and it sounds as though it could be a related topic. David? Yes. Yes, I've got a lime, a dwarf lime in yeah. a pot. Yes. And uh, it's the leaves are all starting to go yellow, and they're dropping off, and the fruit's dropping off too. It's going yellow and dropping off. 
Okay. Uh, it's in a pot. Citrus are very, very heavy feeders, David. So in a pot, they often run out of nutrient and uh, often they can dry out as well. I know everyone's got the best intentions, um, but sometimes we all slacken off. I know I do as well. Uh, so you just have to make sure your plant's being really well watered and that it's being fed about three to four times a year with a slow-release fertiliser to keep that uh, level of fertiliser up there in the soil for it. Now, when they're flowering and they're fruiting, they are naturally sucking a whole lot of nutrient out of the soil, so it's, it's important that it's, it's done at this time. That said, I would also just make sure there's no scale insect on the plant, which are like little um, brown or white um, sort of little dots or pimples all over the, the stems or the leaves of the plant. Uh, if you're worried about that, grab a couple of leaves off, take some photos of the plant on your phone and take it into your local garden centre. They should be able to help you out. Uh, my first port of call would be just to make sure it's being well watered and uh, well fertilised, David. And good luck with that. Well, let's just check the weather now for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, seeing it's been so humid. For new Subaru, Honda, Volkswagen and Isuzu Ute, partly cloudy today and 24 degrees at Campvale. Maybe a shower or two as well. Scott, we do have to talk about the winner of our cyclamen. Oh, now I've got to make it. I have to make a decision. So I have to make the decision you on the run. Do have to make the decision on the run. Oh, how about we give it to our very first person, a Leslie from Toronto, who's already got a cyclamen, knows how to look after them, and we know she's going to do a good job if we give her another one. <laughs> another cyclamen, and it might be a different colour from the one she's already got. She got. should do that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good idea. So, gardening talkback will be back next uh, Monday after the midday news. But before we go, we've just got a fraction of a time for my question, Scott, and that's about coffee grounds. Yes. If you've got a coffee machine, it does make wonderful coffee, but it does also mean you get all these coffee grounds left over. You can throw them out into the garbage, or can you, in fact, use them in the garden? Are they any good as a fertiliser? Yes, they are good. They're good to put in your compost bin. They'll start uh, the compost turning around. Uh, they're slightly acidic, so if you've got hydrangeas, they'll turn them uh, blue for you. Uh, you can make up a liquid fertiliser if you want to and you can also use them to get rid of slugs and snails because they don't like crawling over them but I guess if they eat them the slugs and snails might go on to hyperdrive. So that would be of course in the ground on the ground on the earth yes, around the pot around it. Yes, yes, yes. So if you've got a plant with uh, slugs just pop some <laughs> coffee grounds around so it doesn't hurt the plants. No look just be careful about as we said it's very acidic so if you've got a plant that needs uh, like citrus that need alkalinity uh, then you don't go and use too much of it. Thanks Scott Sharp. Thank you. That's Gardening Talk Back for today. News is next.